good afternoon, Des. How are you? Very well, Paul. Thank you. Good. So um, I'd like to talk about lateral thinking in action today with particular reference to, to my new book, which is called Lateral Thinking for Every Day. Yes, and a very good book it is, too. I mean, I am very low to praise you, but it is a good book. It's very readable, and uh, I've been browsing through it. Well, let me start with a little lateral thinking puzzle. Um, why did they build a fake bus stop on the road in a place where they knew that no bus would ever stop and it was not on any bus route? Why did they put a nice proper bus stop there with a little seat? Very nice. I haven't heard that one. So let's leave it on the end of the programme and uh, let people think about it. Have you got any examples of lateral thinking in action for me? Well, I mean, I, I heard somebody say quite recently, I mean, how come they put a man on the moon before they put luggage on wheels? <laughs> I think that, <laughs> it's a very good example we've been carrying these suitcases around for generations and somebody says let's put them on wheels and let friction rather than gravity be the ground and i mean it's amazing it's such a simple idea it's and a very simple idea and a very effective one yes very effective yeah you know the one about the graffiti artists who were known to authorities and told they would be prosecuted if they kept putting paint on the city walls and if they painted on any, anything on any of the city walls, any slogans or images, they would be prosecuted. So what did they do that was very clever? Well, that's a beauty. They took some stencils. There was nothing actually painted on the walls, but I mean, the, 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 the gaps, the vacancies were the actual things. They yeah, they used, clean, they used detergent. So they, they'd choose a dirty wall and then they'd put a stencil on there and they'd clean the section under the stencil. Uh, and that, then you could see the, the graffiti, the slogans, whatever else it was that they put there. And the, the authorities couldn't prosecute them because they were actually cleaning the walls rather than defacing them. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. But yeah. let me give you a physics problem. This is a tough one. Two glass tumblers are stuck together, one inside the other. They're jammed together. How would you get them apart? Are these tumblers to work in a circus? No, tumblers, glass tumblers. <laughs> glass tumblers, yeah, yeah. No, I don't know that one. Well, you put cold water into the inner glass and then you put the, the two of them into a bowl of hot water. So the, the outer glass expands and the inner glass yeah, contracts and then they just come apart. That's beautiful. Well, I've always maintained, you see, that we learn science and we learn mathematics in school. We never really use it and we never, we're never taught how to use it. But this is an example currently in Ireland, which has led to an absolute social revolution. And it's called the Greenway Revolution. And a lot of railway lines in Ireland closed in the early part of the 20th century. And they were left just there as derelict railway lines. Now, somebody got the idea of turning them into Greenway walks. And the country is now almost completely covered with old railway lines, which are Greenway walks. And you can take, you can walk on them, you can run on them, you can cycle on them, but you can't take cars and motorbikes. And it's led to a whole social revolution because with all these Greenways come shops and bicycle hire and all sorts of other things. And it really has transformed the whole country from a very simple idea. Some derelict railway lines, what do you do with them? And I think that's a lovely example of, of lateral thinking. It is, and that's a good story. Yeah. But it does yeah. remind me of the story of the man who walked from Cork to Dublin on the main roads and he never passed a single pub. Did you know that? <laughs> that was me. He never <laughs> he passed a it, single he, pub. He went into everyone. <laughs> Tell us about your book. Now, when, well, first of all, where did you get the idea for writing the book? I mean, lateral thinking is just in puzzles. You wanted to bring it into reality. I did. And um, I've, I've been writing blogs for many years and uh, I've, I've blogged on the subject. I wanted to publish the blogs and bring them up to date uh, and make them relevant uh, to, to people. Because people often ask, what is lateral thinking? How can I use it? Why do we need it? And this book attempts to answer all of those questions. 
I look, first of all, at some very serious issues, the dangers of conformity. And we see that in our society today. People conform to certain ideas as groupthink. And we need people to be able to be curious and to be open-minded and to use lateral thinking. I've spoken about it a lot in business, and there are many examples in marketing and business in the book. But in, in politics and in life in general, we need more open-mindedness. We need more curiosity. We need more lateral thinking and we need people to push back against conformity yeah and what what are your favorite examples give me some of your favorite examples from the book that tree well, that you but as regards examples i like the one which i think came from you originally uh, at a very mundane level of the little old lady who was sitting at home and if somebody rang the front doorbell she'd put on her hat and coat before she answered the door why did she do that? Well, if she answered the door and it was somebody she wanted to, to chat to, she said, oh, I've just got in. Why don't you come in and we'll have a cup of tea? But if it was somebody who was a real bore she didn't want to speak to, she'd say, oh, what a pity. I'm just on my way out. We'll have to meet some other time for a chat. <laughs> and, that, and that's lateral thinking at a very mundane level. Very mundane. They're clever solutions. You know, I heard about the Estonian police in Estonia. Um, if the police catch somebody speeding in their car, they can give them a fine, like in every other country. But many rich people, the fine doesn't really bother them. They get back in the car and off they charge to their meeting or whatever. But in Estonia, they've got a new penalty. And the penalty the police can apply is they can say to the person, right, you've got to get out of your car, lock it up and stand outside your car for 45 minutes. So we'll come back in 45 minutes time. If you're not here, then you face a very severe penalty. Uh, so what you do is you penalise them in time rather than money. And the person who was speeding was probably dashing to a meeting or in a hurry to get somewhere. So it's quite a, a penalty for them. But it doesn't cost the authorities anything to apply that sanction. And yet for, for rich people, it would be quite an effective um, deterrent. Yeah. Around 1900, a lot of inventors thought, well, there's no point trying to invent anything. Everything's been invented already. And physics just became measuring distances and things of like that to a greater and greater degree of precision, but nothing fundamentally new. And then you can add relativity and the atomic revolution. Now, are we in the state where we feel, well, you know, what new things have been invented in the last 20 years that are revolutionary? Not and, very uh, many, to be honest. Not very many. After the war, we, was no, a, there, there is a possibility that we could be near the limit. We could actually be near the limit. But on the other hand, it'd be very foolish to think that there aren't other things waiting to be discovered. Well, the big thing that's going to change all the, our lives or all the lives of our children and grandchildren is artificial intelligence. And yeah. that's just roaring along at the moment. Have you have you tried ChatGPT yet? The, the, the artificial intelligence engine, which can write a thesis for you or write a letter to your granny or anything. Yeah, how do you think I wrote my thesis originally? <laughs> it was very primitive in those days. <laughs> yeah. So, it, um, I, 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 at the last meeting I attended before I retired in college, uh, the, one of the topics was plagiarism. Yes. And I said... Mm -hmm. uh, I have a foolproof method of detecting plagiarism. And everybody sat up because they were absolutely delighted. And I said, if a thesis contains a semicolon, then it's plagiarized. Because <laughs> <laughs> no student ever uses one. No, they, don't, they, don't, they wouldn't know how to. <laughs> no, they wouldn't know how to. Yeah, yes, you're great. probably right. So again, give me some more examples from, from your book, because you, know, you must have some favorite examples, some clever ones. There was a problem with uh, trading ships were dangerously overloaded and could capsize in stormy seas. It happened many, many times in the, the 19th century. Uh, and in 1870, uh, Samuel Plimsoll, an MP and a coal merchant, investig investigated the safety of ships and found the problem worse than he expected. 
He campaigned in Parliament and he proposed a very, very simple solution to this problem, a big, big problem of ships capsizing, which was that a line be painted on ships to show how low they may safely rest in the water without risk of sinking. Um, and the Merchant Shipping Act of 1876 made the Plimsoll line compulsory. Yeah. And the idea was adopted around the world. A line of paint saved yeah. many ships yeah. and many well, I, I've got one. I've got one tattooed across my midriff as well when I go <laughs> swimming. So, I mean, it's got, <laughs> it's got a wider applicability. <laughs> and when we look back on these things, we think, why didn't anyone think of that before? That's so obvious. Yeah. Um, you know, Michael Cullen uh, said, what would happen if we turned the shop around? It, it, Victorian shops, the system would serve you. You'd ask for butter or eggs or milk and, and, the, and the person would queue up behind you waiting. And eventually the assistant would go behind, bring each item to the front and then serve you and charge you the bill. And, and Michael Cullen said, what would happen if we let the customers serve themselves instead and, and just pay when they left? He created the world's first supermarket the king cullen store in new jersey and it's a very with, simple idea it is yeah. it's had a massive impact yeah and within that i mean they noticed in supermarkets that they had baskets for people collecting their groceries and they noticed that when the baskets were full people stopped buying yes so this guy got the idea of the supermarket trolley now again yes. that revolutionized total sales there so here's a thought i had now what do you think of this this is an original thought i think but i don't know if it'll work in practice or not and it's the government should um give an exercise bicycle to every family in the country, right? And they had to use it. And the idea would be that it would be connected up to the national grid. And everybody would have to do one hour a day. Every member of the house would have to do one hour a day cycling on this bicycle, which would be good for their health, help them lose weight. But the energy they would expend would actually be turned into electricity, which would count for the house or could be uh, connected up to the national grid. Yes. Would something like that work? I think it could work. You'd have to do it as an incentive problems i have with education is they don't teach kids to be alert and aware and think on their feet and sort of be innovative you know you learn the curriculum you learn what's there you go into the laboratory to verify the experiments yes. rather than find out the truth for yourself and i mean uh, indeed and um you know the, the the main school exam in the uk the gcse a lot of it is multiple choice questions so you get uh, you know what was the name of the first wife of henry the eighth and you get five answers one of them's right the other five four are wrong and it's very easy to mark it makes it you can mark it by computer version That's right, but yeah. it, for most problems in life there isn't just one answer there are many many possibilities yeah. and yeah. yet we're trained to think when we go into work you learn the right way to do things but we need people who will say just a minute is there a better way to do this and yeah. the answer to that is nearly always yes yes yeah. and in fact our book of mathematical lateral thinking puzzles uh, the, the, that's different from other books of maths puzzles because in each case there's a, a good way to solve the problem a mathematical way but there's also a clever a cunning a lateral way to do it and and that's what appeals to you and me yeah, is, yeah. is finding that alternative yeah. route to yeah. to solving the problem like the old yeah. question of you know there are 73 players in the knockout tennis tournament how many matches must there be well there's you can do, do the uh, calculation and, and in terms of rounds and buys and how many buys go into each round and you get it to a multiple of two so you get down to four and two and one or you can say the lateral way to solve it as you know is to say each match produces one loser and in with 73 people in the competition one person wins all their games and the other 72 people all lose one game therefore yeah. there are 72 games that's that's an absolute beauty. But I think it's great to try and extend it to more advanced mathematics as well, which indeed, I think I've managed to do. Indeed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yes, it's called Mathematical Lateral Thinking Puzzles, published by Sterling Publishing. And um, 
as as Des says, available at all levels, from a yeah. really bright kid at junior school, certainly through secondary school, and even up to undergraduate level, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good, good. All right. So are you going to give me the solution to the bus stop puzzle, please? Yes. What thoughts did you have? Why would the authorities put a bus stop on a road on which they knew there was never any bus ever came? It was not on a bus route and it was not part of a film. It was not part of a set. It was there for a purpose, a serious purpose. What was it? Was it there to make motorists take more care? No. No. Should I tell you the answer? Please do. It was outside an old people's home. And uh, some of the old people, the, the residents, were suffering from dementia or loss of memory. They would wander out of the home. And if they got to the road, they would see the bus stop and they would sit there and wait for a bus. And uh, if the um, the attendants noticed that one of the residents was missing, they'd go out to the road and very often find them sitting at the bus stop patiently. That's very nice. That's very nice. Well, yes. Lateral Thinking for Every Day is the book, yeah. which I would recommend. And it has serious stuff in it. But it has light-hearted stuff. It's got riddles. It's got a lot of stories and examples from all sorts of different walks of life, from warfare, from sport, certainly from business. And, and it's got some practical methods you can use as well. Yeah. Well, I would thoroughly recommend it as well. And uh, Thank you very okay, much, Paul. Des. Thank you.